Welcome to Speak Sex. I am your host, Eve Eurydice, and today we're gonna talk uh, again about uh, the war in Europe, the strongman's romance, and uh, Putin's longing and Zelensky's uh, pride. And my guest today is Robert Steiner. Uh, he's the writer of uh, nine or ten books. Uh, his uh, best-known books are... Um, Matine, which was his earliest book, and uh, True Nowhere, which um, came 30 years later. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Bob. Thank you. Mm. Hi, thank you. So, uh, I know, I mean, we, we talk about all kinds of things, but I wanted us to kind of try and unpack what's happening right now because there is so much uh, information bombarding us at once and i'm sure bombarding the europeans of, on all sides at once and it's hard to understand what's what um so for me you know the way i see it is that this is how patriarchies survive right which is like not rationally um and the whole kind of like cult of the strong man um, is back and you know the the breast beating among all sides as far as I can see it or the main three sides uh, meaning Russia represented by Putin Ukraine represented by Zelensky and to a lesser extent the the Americans represented by the Biden administration so um, yeah well, I, 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 would say that, I would say that Biden is not doing any breastfeeding. I would say that the media consultants uh, who come out of uh, the retired Pentagon guys, they're doing the breastfeeding. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and some of the uh, war correspondents are doing the breastfeeding. But I always give war correspondents a big break because they're there. And uh, I, I think I go back all the way to Vietnam to a great young reporter, John Lawrence. He was Cronkite's protege, and he had a complete meltdown. And uh, Morley Safer had a meltdown. And, it, you know, Arwa Damon, Michael Ware in Iraq, they have meltdowns. And uh, we just saw one with, uh, uh, with a couple of reporters uh, here. And, uh, you know, and it's going to happen. You know, they, they go from... Uh, war-torn war areas to another and another and another and, uh, you know, and they just get hit. And, um, you know, Richard Engel just got attacked. But, but yeah, the, 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 the real uh, mongering of war is always from the retired Pentagon people who say, well, we hate this, we hate war. Uh, and, uh, you know, well, we hate, you know, I mean, we hate Russia and in a kind of like blink, you know, it, it, like the, for me, the contradiction here is in, in the same breath, they say, oh, you know, we live in a post-war moment. How could he dare remember war? But in the same breath, basically, they're saying, oh, Russia is back because it was the Soviet Union. It's our tra traditional enemy. So they couldn't, you know, they they couldn't be uh, decent. 
and there is no effort on our part to kind of understand understand both sides you know and the same thing like when you say the war correspondents they're supposed to be neutral um but but they're not they're very clearly from the get-go taking sides and you know making assumptions that i think america tends to make uh, which we can't make from as far you know from the distance that we look at it from you know we making the assumptions that Zelensky is the is a democrat <laughs> um which may be true maybe not be true but we certainly are not equipped to know i mean no what 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 Zelensky is he's the jew of today and 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 and, and it brings out in lots of people that it's not accidental that right now as we're talking that the, the new prime minister of israel is in Moscow uh, talking to Putin. It's not accidental. Mm -hmm. He's going there to say, wait a minute, what are we doing here? What What is it you want to do? You want to make this about Jews? No, I don't you think want... he wants to make this about Jews. Or, I think... Well, no, I know he doesn't. I, I know mm -hmm. Putin doesn't. I don't think Putin gives a shit about Jews. <laughs> yeah. I think that actually the reason Israel has not condemned as loudly as everybody else and as quickly is because they have been condemned by the same bodies, the UN and everybody else, um, you know, for the recent that's, aggressions that's in Palestine. Yes, yes, so they is. understand, you know, they, they kind of like can empathize. They've been accused of war crimes. Right. And, and war exactly. crimes in Gaza, in the yeah. West Bank. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, at a time when if America's own elections, you know, uh, the bastion of modern democracy uh, are have been, uh, you know, contested. Right. How can we know really that Zelensky's election or if not his election, his governing has been democratic in a country where up to his election, there was, uh, uh, you know, to to all agreement, no democracy, but just raw corruption and the rule of the strongman, right? So all of a sudden, you know, he becomes like the face of freedom <laughs> when well, I think it, he's the face of I nationalism. I think he's the face of nationalism. It's not freedom. It's, I agree. Yeah. I don't disagree at all. Uh, the only way, the, 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 the best way to fight uh, an invader of any kind, wherever you are, is to invoke whatever nationalistic pride you can invoke. Uh, you know, you drag out everything there is. Uh, we've done it in this country. Uh, we played the national anthem at fucking football games. That's insane. Football games and baseball games have nothing to do with defending the nation, but we do it. We do it all yeah. the time to remind people that democracy gave you baseball. And mm -hmm. uh, in, in my lifetime, if the Ruskies took over, there's no more baseball. Well, so, uh, yeah, they're, they're, they'll, they'll drag out anything, anything uh, to, that, become, that, is, that is potentially uh, populist, and I mean that in the most negative sense, that, that, that drags out the most visceral uh, I, a national identity there is, whatever mm -hmm, it is. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. Or, yeah, or, you know? yeah. I mean, when the Vietnam War was on, there were pictures of Farrah Fawcett all over the place. We're fighting the Vietnamese for Farrah Fawcett to remain unsullied as a blonde in uh, 
whatever, I forgot what the name of the show is. Charlie's Four- Angels. <laughs> Charlie, uh, John Forsyth yeah. was the star. Mm-hmm. And, and, but the, and that's never changed. You know, mm-hmm. Zelensky, Zelensky, the comedian, uh, whatever else he is, and maybe he ends up being a true hero, but the likelihood he dies in his bunker, uh, and, and, but, but it's no different in the world for, uh, from what Donald Trump was. It's a TV star. Uh, Ronald Reagan was a movie star. And Ronald Reagan, in all of his campaign speeches, quoted movies. Yeah. I used to watch them and say to my dad, who loved Reagan, Dad, that's from, uh, that, that's from, uh, you know, 40 seconds over Tokyo, Dad. <laughs> that's from The Last Hurrah, Dad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and and Reagan was a master, you know, at dragging out stuff that mm-hmm. the audience. Yeah, and watch. and also like you know, kind of like rewriting history in real time, like in front of our faces. Uh, you know, Zelensky is using you know these emotions of war, like the drumbeat of war, and empathy and sympathy for the victims of war to kind of rewrite the facts, you know, to, to make himself appear as if he's already a member of NATO, as if he's already a member, a, you know, a, a partner yeah, in uh, EU. Yeah, I watched... Yeah, when, I watched uh, uh-huh. no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, when clearly uh, that has been the problem, that, you know, if he had been willing to say that he was going to withdraw the application for membership, none of this would have happened. So he had a moment at the crossroads of choice, a big, important moment that tells us like who a person is. And he chose to sacrifice his people, basically. He chose to take this extraordinary risk, knowing the wrath and the, and the power on the, on the adversary side, Knowing what Putin thought since before, he, long before his election, and he chose to go against it, gambling that he could basically blackmail and guilt trip the rest of the world, meaning Europe and and the U.S. and everyone else who'd go along with us, to let him in to support him when the bodies would start, you know, being counted. So, to I mean, to me, he's not an innocent. You know, he he made a choice. Um, knowing the stakes that cost a lot of lives, and uh, you know, and and we definitely kind of like um, fell for it for the drama, you know. Um, but I think that you know, it, it, to begin with, it wasn't rational uh, to leave Russia out of NATO and the and, and the EU, but let most ex-Soviet nations like the rest of Eastern Europe and and almost let Turkey, you know, a country that's mostly in Asia, in. And it's like, what were we afraid of? Um, it's it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy where like we continued to demonize Russia when the Soviet Union collapsed and we had no immediate reason to do that when they were not a a threat and finally with the passage of time you know we have made them into an enemy by by refusing them entry to every to to every alliance. I, 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 I was listening this morning uh, it was fascinating we spent two years persuading all the satellite nations to turn their nukes into Russia uh, from the old Soviet Union we spent two years, gave them a lot of money, and created a treaty, the Budapest Accord, 
in which all of those nations, including Ukraine, were guaranteed sovereignty and secure borders, in exchange for which they gave their nukes to Russia. Now, you know... Wait, uh, wait I don't understand. I don't understand. That, that when the Soviet Union fell... Well, they didn't we have... Those countries didn't have nukes. They were Soviet yes, nukes. They, they, all did. they were Soviet nukes. They were Soviet That's nukes. Right, they were Soviet nukes. Okay, so they were but not the their Soviet nukes. Union no longer existed. Well, yes, the... The center of power that these nukes belonged to was Moscow. It was their, their weapons. Soviet Union they no had, longer existed. Right, Why did they but they back? had just parked. Their, it, it would be like, let's say, uh, there are nukes in Greece right now, all right? And something changes, <laughs> and we, and something changes and we get out of NATO. Well, the nukes are not ours. They're just parked there, but they're parked there by... Their, their owners, right? So all over Europe, the nukes that are there are American nukes. It's the same thing all over Eastern Europe. There were nukes, but they were Russian nukes. Russia, well, Soviet well, Union turned into Russia. So they were, they were so never those countries' Soviet. nukes. Uh, this well, idea that like, oh, Ukraine gave up its nukes, it's just a made-up narrative. It was not Ukraine's nukes to, to keep. They... Of they, course, they, they were, were Russian nukes. Soil. They were now independent. It has nation. nothing to do with soil. It's it has to do with like who has the state secrets. Who knows how to like the uranium and the plutonium and all of that. Uh, in you know, it, it they didn't belong to them. They were just parked there. That's what it is to be a satellite. When you know when you're no longer protected by that whatever entity well, or great power, the let nukes get way. out. Let, let me put it this way that uh, there was an agreement that agreement was violated okay the that the budapest accord meant that all those nations all those satellites had sovereignty and uh and their borders were secure that's been violated but needless to say we're not going to go to war with russia over this uh, we're going to go to war with Russia over something else. That's inevitable if Putin continues to live. We will go to war with Russia eventually. Uh, well, uh, again, I mean, I I don't understand why that that's the, the agreement that matters. Uh, you know, there was an agreement, the, the Minsk agreement, after the occupation of Crimea, and no one's... I'm sorry? Why didn't they just destroy the nukes? Destroy them. Who would destroy them? Who cares? Take them apart. Uh huh. Dismember them. We had we had before all this. Well, Russia wouldn't. I mean, happened, Russia wouldn't give in. Nuclear non-proliferation. Even today, there are only nine nations that have nukes. Yeah, but half of them, half of them are countries I don't like having nukes at all. Yes, but rather than have ten countries in Europe have nukes. We agreed to have the original country that came up with the nukes have nukes and no one else, which I think was kind of a wise choice rather than give them in the hands of all of these like Orban or whatever strong men of the moment, you know, would take over one of these like Slav new countries. I don't I don't see how that was unwise. And I don't think that I think that because we gave Russia its nukes, it agreed to make these concessions. Uh, I, I think that if we had, you know, Taking it but upon ourselves to, to destroy it. They them. They were signatories to it. Yeah, they were signatories to it. Yeah. 
well, we're not focusing on that anymore. We're focusing on, on, on you know, NATO. And we're not focusing right. on you violated these agreements. We're focusing on NATO because um, in the eyes of the, of the Russians, I think, um, you know, NATO was conceived to, to fight Russia and to protect the rest of Europe from Russia, uh, Soviet Union. Mm-hmm. And, and so the idea that NATO even continues to exist in, its sa- in the same form, uh, you know, seems to turn them into like the, you know, the evil empire. So if I am a great power and an evil empire, then I better, you know, it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Then I better like protect myself. And again, you know, like I think what, what's hard to understand is the way that the Russians, you know, see some of these places, you know, um, it's like, um, Kiev is where Russia began. I mean, you know that, you know, and so, uh, for in, in the minds of Russians, Kiev isn't Europe unless Russia is Europe. Like it, it can't be that Kiev is Europe and Russia is not. That's to them craziness. And, and really, I think like to many of us who grew up, you know, with the, with the history, uh, of, of Russia and Europe, you know, the way it was taught to us in schools, it's all very complicated to understand right now. You know, like the, the identity of Ukraine, um, is very, very young and, and recent. So, uh, as much as like, you know, Zelensky, uh, has kind of like bet his, his, uh, presidency well, and his power on this kind of like birth of a nation. Well, uh, that Ukraine has a Jewish president is, uh, is in and of itself a very strange notion. Yeah, true. Very but, but I don't think he's... Very postmodern notion. Yeah, but I don't think he's, you know, Jewish uh, any more than he's Russian. I mean, he was born speaking Russian and raised speaking Russian, but I think he, you well, know, his... Russian Jews. Yeah, I know. Yeah. He got murdered by the Cossacks. I'm sorry? The Russian Jews were murdered by the Cossacks in, in, the, in, the, in the hundreds of thousands. Yeah. That's why there are fewer of them than there used to be. Mm-hmm. Well, I think I, you know, a thing I wanted just to just to throw out uh, it, when we decided to talk about this, um, and I wanted to give a couple of of strange examples, examples that don't compute. Uh, they don't compute to. to uh, Putin and uh, and this situation, but I would point out to everybody that this is the only European war that we're watching in real time. Uh, World War Two, uh, World War Two was watched on newsreels once a week in the movie theater when if you could watch if you could do that, but otherwise uh, there was no daily anything except by radio. And, uh, you know, and that's not visceral the same way watching buildings being blown up is and millions of people trying to get on a, on a, on a train for the thrill of getting to Poland. Uh, but it's, you know, the, this whole idea of the of the strong man. This is a subtle much in a sense, in a sense, it's a subtler thing 
Um, and, I, and I gave it some thought, and I, and I thought of a thing that's wildly unsubtle and has no nuance. Uh, the first thing, really, it doesn't matter when in someone's career it happens, that makes a strong man a strong man is his willingness to kill completely innocent people. And that's how he establishes his credentials. Yes, I and, agree. And, and, uh, and, and, I, and the example I want to give is something that you wouldn't necessarily expect. Or maybe you would, I don't know. In February 1945, before World War II ended in April of 1945, Dwight Eisenhower gave the order to bomb Dresden in Germany. Uh, Slaughterhouse-Five sort of memorializes that moment. But he bombed it for two days, destroyed the whole city, killed 25,000 people, when Dresden had nothing to do with the war effort. And six months later, Harry Truman decides to drop uh, the big one. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Those are like... Both of which yes. have nothing to do with the war effort. Yes. So it was from guys, and Eisenhower, as everybody knows, became president seven years later. And Harry Truman went down as the great hero of the guy who had the tough decision to make. Right. That we could blockade Japan, we could invade Japan, but instead of which they killed both Eisenhower and Truman, and otherwise they hated each other, but they had this in common. They killed completely innocent people to show the rest of the world, this is what I'm capable of. That's right. And, and, and there's no end to this. Uh, the, the famous uh, attack of Picasso's most famous painting which we call Guernica, is about Franco bombing a completely non-combatant city, Guernica, with, uh, you know, uh, mm -hmm. and it had nothing to do with anything. It wasn't anywhere near Madrid, wasn't anywhere near Barcelona. And, and this is an old story. Oh, yeah. And, oh, yeah. And that's the, the basis of terror isn't that you scare people. It's that you kill people who have done nothing. Yeah, that is. A, I agree with you. That's a great definition of the strong man. You know, uh, unlike the the good man or the good human uh, who will put the good of others over his own, the strong man assumes that you know he can sacrifice the lives, endless lives of people, uh, for the sake of what he thinks is right. So it gets back to the idea of like right and wrong being more yeah, important yeah. than than life and death. And it's always uh, and, ultimately self-righteousness. Right. It's narcissism at the end of the day. Oh, yeah. It doesn't have to be self-interest like Donald Trump's self-interest. You know, Donald but Trump... It makes, but it makes the strongmen make the decisions that otherwise are left in the hands of nature or God, or yeah, whatever well, you think. the rest of us couldn't right? make. So, yeah, or the rest of us wouldn't. Couldn't or well, wouldn't. Uh, I mean, every, perhaps... I, I, listen, Perhaps I we this. could, but we don't have the same lack of... You know, All ethics. of us watch this now every day. We're watching this live, blowing up these cities and saying, how can you do this? Who are you? That What is it you're gaining? What, some idea of empire? You're going to die at the end. Your two daughters are well, going to die. everybody's going to die in the end. I mean, yeah. you know, I, I think that, again, I think that, you know, personally, I think that we put, uh, put in against the corner. 
uh, by advertising all the gathering of his uh, forces, by putting that on the front page of every every news item around the world. So he had to do something. He couldn't, you know, and by not agreeing behind closed doors um, to you know, take a break on Ukraine's application uh, for NATO membership, which is was the, you know, one kind of like symbolic request. And actually, you know, like this began on November 10. This war began officially on November 10, you know, uh, 2021, when, when Biden and Zelensky signed a charter on strategic partnership, which asserted America's, America's support for Kyiv's right to pursue membership in NATO. Um, and that came after the essay or whatever Putin had written in July. In the, in the summer. In, in the yeah, summer. in July, yeah. when he said that like Ukrainians and Russians are run people. So like instead of kind of like letting that pass or telling ourselves, okay, you know, since Ukraine's uh, borders are contested and we're not going to let them in anyway, we will just give Putin the impression that he gets what he wants will make some compromise, which is the sane and rational thing to do. No, we we signed a charter on strategic partnership. And I think that that just, you know, became an intolerable uh, affront, you know, for Putin. It was like the last straw of like disrespect, you know, and immediately he ordered yeah. the preparations and immediately we started publicizing nonstop, you know, the the, the military preparations, right? So yeah. we we fought him at every step of the way. We did not placate him once. Um, and that's the, you know, that was a choice that was made repeatedly on our side. I'm assuming we would, we, we took, we like took, me. yeah, uh, but we took the side, we decided that, you know, uh, scaring him, everybody has been saying it, even now, you know, Putin only understands, you know, uh, like uh, fighting. And so you have to fight him harder and whatever he does, you have to be worse. Well, that makes you one with him, kind of. But um, we sacrificed rationality very fast, you know. Hey, listen, I, and, I, 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 have mm -hmm. two, I have two things to say. One is, uh, you know, we listen to the retired generals every day i do uh day and night and, and you know and they talk about the you know what it means and what's going on and what's going to happen and we understand now we're in this protracted war but one general came on this morning early and said and, and everybody's asked what have you learned over the last 10 days and this guy said you know what i learned the last 10 days that the u.s army or the nato army would kick the shit out of the Russian army in two weeks. I'd have those guys weeping on the way back to Russia. This is the worst army I've ever seen. They don't know what they're doing. Whoever is in charge doesn't know what he's doing. But there's a long view. I have an anecdote that's sort of like provably true anecdote. And, it fa and it, I've never forgotten it. I've known it for 45 years. Napoleon is in Egypt. And he says, I want to go into the Gaza pyramid. So uh, the pyramid at Giza, you know, is a tunnel. I've been in it. And you got to go on your hands and knees. So Napoleon tells everybody, I want to go in alone. I don't want you guys with me. And at the bottom of the thing, which is like 104 or 400 feet down, 
it takes forever. It takes like 10, 12 minutes to get down there. And you can't breathe very well until you get into the, uh, in, into the room. And he goes to the wall, which was already very famous, in which Alexander the Great has inscribed his name in the wall. And Napoleon inscribes his name under Alexander's. Okay. He looks around, sees everything there is to see, and crawls his way out. And going up is 20 minutes to get out, or at least was when I did it. It was 20 minutes to get out. 15 minutes or so to get down, 20 minutes to get out, because you're going up. And uh, anyhow, he comes out, and he's pale and sickly and nauseated. And he says to his, uh, his, uh, his aides, uh, I don't want to talk about this. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to say a word. Uh, don't anybody bring it up. Well, later he wants to talk about it. And, uh, and they say, you know, what happened? And he said, I went down there and I saw Alexander's name. And yes, I put my name under Alexander's, but I realized that Alexander is to me what Alexander was to the pharaoh who built the pyramid. He said the distance in time means everything I've done is meaningless. Everything Alexander did was meaningless. It was all done thousands and thousands of years ago. I'm just repeating the past. Oh, yeah. And I've, sure. and I've always thought that is the strong man's thing. And it's I, and in my mind, it's not accidental that he immediately decides, let's invade Russia. <laughs> mm -hmm. From the same area that Russia feels very vulnerable about, because it's also the area that Hitler used, the planes, which is why they don't want Ukraine in NATO. So that's it. It's like the same repetition. And like if you want to speak of history, I often think that the Zelensky is like uh, Alcibiades, or however you pronounce it in English. Alcibiades, yes. Alcibi Alcibiades, Alcibiades. Um, yeah, in, in the Peloponnesian War, who with his outlandish you know, claims and pride brought down the golden age of, of Athens you know, with him. Uh, and you know, I, I feel that all of you know Z Zelensky's uh, you know efforts to escalate the the death toll basically and make uh, this into a moral problem for NATO and 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 the EU, you know, is very much you know that that same you know calling this like an unprovoked threat when he had the choice and decided not to take it, you know, and kind of like using the attack to get his face on every front page and casting himself as David and, and you know, Russia as Goliath and himself as, like, Hercules and Russia as the Hydra monster. I mean, you know, he, you know, you know painting the picture in, like, the, the most bright, you know, nationalistic, <laughs> paternalistic, right, Colors. What's the alternative? What's the alternative? I mean, the thing you know, like the thing about the uh, about the speaking of like Jews, you know, he analogized Russia's damaging of the Babi Yar Holocaust Memorial with the actual World War Two genocide committed at Babi Yar by Nazis, with lots of complicity from eager local Ukrainians, by the way. Um, so you know, he he 
thinks himself as like the nation builder, you know, the father of Ukraine that's going to give it now its identity that's not, you know, associated with Russia anymore, with his like, right, heroics. And um, I don't know, Mike does not make right, but neither does pride, you know, and this is a very proud man. And we keep throwing weapons at him. Um, and America's latest shipments of missiles, to which was just approved today, uh, what it's the largest single authorized transfer I of arms out of from U.S. Hands. military warehouses to another country ever. Yeah, to another country. Yeah, yeah okay. to another country. Yeah. So, like, how is the West's best interest or international best interest? being served by arming one side in this war and just prolonging the war. Like, do we really think that, you know, the, that, the, the, that Putin is going to uh, pull down? I mean, he can sacrifice so many more lives of Russian people. And that's why I see this as like two strong men going at it, you know, and not caring what the, the cost in lives, you know, and innocent lives is. Because I, I feel that both of them, you know, uh, I feel that Zelensky got his country in this mess and, and uh, you know, knew, knew that, you know, the risk that he was taking uh, and, and now wants to blame, you know, everybody else and, and force everybody else to kind of like clean it up, you know, for him. And I think, of course, you know, the same thing that Putin, uh, you know, insisted, you know, ex you know, was extremely obstinate and proud and just assumed that, you know, Zelensky would have to kiss the ring and felt that, you know, U Ukraine was like, it was a betrayal, you know, to everything that was like the greater Russia by wanting to side with the West more and more. And, and here we are. It's like, um, it's almost like, you know, like, Zeus and Kronos and Uranus, you know, like the younger man wanting to castrate the older man and take over. It's just such primal patriarchal well, you know, drama. Yeah, which was the sub which is actually the subject. So What's you know, the subject? This is the actual well, the actual subject is 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 Muslimin and 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 uh, uh you know uh, you know there's a great contrast that I've always thought uh, as a kid, when the Cuban Missile Crisis happened, mm -hmm. it's it, it it's very interesting. Uh, I I was a kid. I was fourteen, and all of us we were terrified. Uh, we had grown up with duck and cover, for God's sake. And every Tuesday, every Tuesday, or what, I think maybe one Tuesday a month, the air raid sirens would 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 sound all over America, and you would get under your desk in practice for duck and cover in case there was a nuclear attack. And we saw all these basically cartoons on TV of what a nuclear attack would look like. Okay. We come to, now we're prepped, we're primed. And, and Che Guevara has convinced Fidel to bring in offensive nuclear weapons from Khrushchev's Russia to Cuba so that the United States can't invade. 90 miles from Miami. So comes this thing. Where I am right now, where we are. <laughs> where we live. And, and, and comes this thing where we're waiting. Jack Kennedy goes on TV on a Sunday night and says, we cannot allow uh, offensive weapons in Cuba 
and uh, and 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 as a consequence, at uh, 12 noon tomorrow, if those ships continue on to Cuba, we will launch nuclear weapons against Moscow. Now that's a quote. I'm not paraphrasing. That's a quote. So everything changed. And the next day, in I'm in school, they call us all into the assembly hall, uh, and uh, which is interesting. They didn't cancel school. I find that fascinating. <laughs> Looking back at it, they didn't say everybody should stay home with mom and dad. We're in the assembly hall. They put the radio on through the loudspeakers, and at 11:45, the Russian ships turn around, and and obviously nuclear war is uh, avoided. And and Jack Kennedy said, I knew that Khrushchev would do this. And Bobby Kennedy was involved. Obviously, a bunch of people were. And uh, there are other details about what this was really about, which was uh, American missiles in Turkey, which was a threat to the uh, to the Russians. And of course, that hasn't changed at all. But the point of the story was later Nikita Khrushchev, having talked to Bertrand Russell, and Russell saying, well, Kennedy has to launch missiles against you because uh, it's a democracy. People vote for him. And if he doesn't, he loses the election. Now, that was fascinating. If he allows offensive missiles to go to Cuba, he's done as president. And Khrushchev said, well, that's an idiotic form of government. <laughs> but the point is what Khrushchev later said in an interview, I grew up under Stalin. And he said, I don't have to prove anything. Uh, I'm the leader of the country. I wasn't going to kill millions of people. I wasn't going to create a nuclear war. Yeah. And for all that Khrushchev was with the pounding on the table and all this, and this we will bury you stuff, which he meant economically, obviously not atomically. But he said, I wasn't going to kill a bunch. I watched this under Stalin. I yeah. watched, you know, and he was, really, you know, and he was a brutal man. Speaking of strong men, like he remember was. that thing with Beria, uh, you know, who was supposed to succeed Stalin and Khrushchev and the rest of the Politburo, like just arrested him and executed him all of a sudden. Of course, not a moment yeah. too soon. Not a moment Beria, too soon. Beria, uh, Beria was a mass murderer. Mm -hmm. so. But who? I mean, they're all. But the point is, I I want to say, speaking on, on that point, it reminds me what you said earlier about the generals coming on and constantly like mocking Russia. And I think uh, that the reason that Russia's Air Force, you know, which they are like experts are stumped, you know, what happened to Russia's Air Force? You know, what's wrong with them? And they're like, well, they, they don't want to take risks with their own pilots and their own aircraft. Right. And I think that's <laughs> bullshit. It's not that they are, you know, why are they acting so delicately with their air power? They're acting delicately because they think of Ukraine as Russia, you idiots. If someone could begin to understand that, we would not be so blinded by what's going on. You know, they want to save their cultural treasures. They think that the, you know, cathedral, they think that the, you know, gold-domed uh, buildings in the government section in Kiev are Russian. They think that St. Michael's is Russian. They, they think that, uh, you know, I mean, they don't want to, like, destroy what they think is is their own that's the whole conundrum here you know which i don't think we uh you know the media the media keeps well we don't fully appreciate it. the media keeps wondering what putin wants 
And I mean, I'm not an expert, but like I just took one look at the map and I saw it. You know, Putin wants Kiev and Odessa. He doesn't want the rest. He has no interest in he has no interest in Poland or Czechoslovakia or the the rest is us like escalating crazily. You know, I think that what he wants is the the old you know historical idea of what you know of Russia. It's like. Um, I mean, you know, the Greek War of Independence was launched and financed by Greeks, you know, in Odessa, um, and and we always, you know, we always read Russia. You know, Russia helped us, uh, you know, fight for our independence from the T- Ottoman Empire, right, from the Turks. So it was not Ukraine. No one, no one said ever through the, you know centuries of being taught these lessons, the Ukrainians helped us, you know, it was very much Russia. So I think that, you know, history that's hundreds of years old is stronger than money. And that's what, you know, our side that thinks, you know, sanctions will will win, you know, it remains to be seen. I mean, I know that the ruble is like, you know, worthless and hundreds of millions of Russians are made poor suddenly. But like I ask myself, how would I feel? How would the rest of Greece feel if like, you know, our leader was taking back Constantinople and making St. Sophia Greek again? And in the, you know, in exchange, like we were losing our bottom line and we couldn't uh, buy any more cell phones from Apple and Samsung. And, you know, but, but instead... Or you can uh, no longer charge on Visa and MasterCard. Right. Okay. Yeah. But I don't know how I would feel. I would, you know, it's you like, okay. No, wait, listen, I have another example. How would Americans feel if Texas, with its oil wells, with its American industries and its uh, Alamo, became Mexico uh, 30 years ago, not before? just 30 years ago, uh, as it once had been, right? Uh, would people like were mobilized to claim it back? And at what cost? And for what benefit? I mean, some benefits uh, are emotional, but they're not rational, you know? And and this conflict, I think, is, you know, is not viewed from in the international context, you know, from, uh, you know, from the point of view of like Russian tradition and i think that's why we we keep well, having you know, the wrong an response an interesting thing that happened today was a complete transfer of thinking about putin it was everybody spending 10 days saying he's completely insane and today the people at cia and dia said no this is who he is he's completely rational he knows exactly what he's doing yeah. It may it, 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 it may be totally wrong. This may not work over the long haul. It can't work. But uh, but he knows what he's doing. This is my bet. <laughs> if he gets uh, Odessa and Kiev, he will be done. He just wants like that circle. And then that, you know, and he'll try to hold on to those new borders. And I have no idea how that will go. But yeah, the, in, in the process, he has shown that, you know, the promise of, like, global capitalism was a f- false promise. You know, like, we we thought that, you know, we wouldn't have coffins with killed boys, you know, hugged by crying mothers anymore. Like, the patriarchy would take the, the boys from their moms, and we thought, okay, you know, war is, is over thanks to, like, you know, globalism. And, and now, you know, 
it's the, that's the big question, and I'm I'm gonna leave us with this question. You know, I, I ask myself as a Greek, like we gave up the drachma for this. Oh, 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 yes, yes. We 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 joined hey. Europe and have the euro and listen to what the Europeans tell us to do, so that we can have war. Like you know, mm. right? You know, a few a few hundred miles away in Romania. Uh, My favorite places to live outside this country have been Greece and Italy, and when they both joined the EU, I said, "This is a disaster. This is." This is Germany taking over the Mediterranean without firing a shot. <laughs> and I've never changed my mind. Yeah, and what was the promise? The promise was like, we will now... Oh, uh, you could borrow money on the cheap. Yeah, we will all prosper and we will not have war because we will all be Europeans. You know, the old enmities would be over and they can't even get the goddamn Bosnians to stop, you know, with... So the idea that like prosperity will put an end to this like inherited ancient racist, because that's what they are. Nationalism is racism, you know, racist hatreds and animosities. That idea was false. Yeah. Well, we've talked. We talked about this idea that I, it, it, I am, I am very happy that that when people come across the border from Ukraine. There is food for them in Poland. There are clothes for them. People are going out of their way to try to save these people. I find that wonderful. It brings tears yes. to my eyes. Yes. But, yes. oh, my God, when the camps closed after World War II, those same people, their parents, killed the Jews that went home, that survived the Holocaust. Yeah, they emaciated. They survived it. Yes. Five years yes. in camps. Yes. Yes. And yes. they were massacred again and again and again. Yes, and uh, and that's the same people, you know. Oh yeah. And by the way, today there was a huge Serbian uh, in Beograd, a city I love. There was a huge protest on behalf of Putin. So I said, Ah, oh. here, <laughs> oh what could God. possibly, what <laughs> could possibly go wrong? Ah, uh, yeah. And you know, India, China. I mean, the world's biggest nations, well, other well, than Modi, most populous said, nations, other than America. Modi said he might send drones. I don't know where he's. I getting. don't think he's going to do anything. I don't know and where and he's we know getting. why. Why are they not condemning this? Because they want to reserve the right to do the same with their. He wants Kashmir and a couple of other places. That, well, yeah, you know, Z yeah. wants Taiwan and who knows what else. And so that's you know, yeah. And and poor Cyprus, it's broke. <laughs> Kipros is Kipros is totally broke. Poor they have to Cyprus is Paul Manafort. Gonna, Paul Manafort did this to Kipro. Oh, my God. Poor Cyprus. Uh, you know, that was like the central banking system of it Russia. An occupied country. It. Speaking of like, you know, decades and decades of being under well, foreign occupation and no one well, doing yeah, anything. The same is going to happen remember, with the new borders in Ukraine. Remember that, that, that the Kipros Bank was broke before the oligarchs showed up. They had... They had made apparently a lot of very bad investments. Yeah, but and, then, uh, but then the Russians came, and you know everything went well financially. Everything was great. Now, mm -hmm. uh oh, and they were vacationing there, and now, yes, you know, and good. also the you know Erdogan, who so quickly like sold Ukraine those drones, uh, he had huge, huge numbers of Russians. I mean, 
you know, hundreds of thousands vacationing all over Turkey. Yeah, now that's over. over. It's yeah. going to cost him. Um, yeah. And Egypt, Listen, <laughs> same thing. Cost, the Red Sea, they Greece. used to live it's there. It's going to cost Greece, I mean. Yeah. They're all going to go to the Maldives now and <laughs> Thailand. Uh, anyway. Oh, my God. They're going to go to Asia. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it, you know, I think that America, it, it, once again, you know, has been like short-sighted and too quick to, to judge and too quick to fall back on old habits of like, you know, that made sense, of course, in World War II and after World War II, but no longer do. So, um, yeah. Well, it's, you know, it's traumatic. It's a war in Europe. What the hell? What is this about? Yeah, well, this As is... As I said is, to you, it's, it's in real time. Yeah, well, I think that, you know, it's our, our addiction. Patriarchy is our addiction. It's like our bad romance. Thank God I'm not part of it. Yes. Anyway, okay, good. So, thank you. Good spirited okay. <laughs> and right. you know i hope we'll we'll keep well i hope the war is resolved very fast and we don't have to talk about let's it let's keep again. in touch yeah yeah <laughs> okay thank you for coming and thank you for your input and your wisdom and everyone out there thank you for listening and until next week keep speaking war and sex make love incessantly, I would be God.